This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuis, Inchpesek, my friends. Brian, how are you? I am doing very well. Oh, uh, Brian, we got an important show t- t- today that I'm really, really a big fan of because yeah. it covers. Uh, the environmental section of Armenia and the sector right now, uh, they're, they're wanting to do mining there and uh, coal mining, gold mining, and all this stuff. And you know what? I don't support that at all. No, I know there's going to be people working and all that, but you know what? That's that's minor. That that's They're not going to be there that long. And uh, after, after they skeletor the place up, uh, then they leave, and then they leave a, a, a scar on Armenia's yeah. land. So uh, I brought in two environmentalists right now that are activists that are doing something about it. They're fighting, and uh, I don't mean by fighting, but I do mean by protesting and letting the government know where they stand on it and letting the world know what uh, what's going on, too, and that's Ani and Arpina. They're going to be part of the show and i can't wait to get part of the and get get this thing started today yeah i can't believe anybody would would want to mess with the natural beauty of armenia like that exactly exactly and that that's that's why i thought this was going to be an important show here i was like looking through facebook and i ran into ani kachatarian and uh she's an activist and uh uh we got her on the show and she's with arpina right now who's also part of the group here. They're activists and they're environmentalists. And hey, guys, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you, too, for inviting Hi. us. Hello, thank you. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I'd like to get a little uh, background on what's going on and what are you guys seeing and uh, fill us in and Armen- uh, you know, rest of the world, the Armenians would like to know what is actually happening and what we can do and all that stuff. Uh, fill us in right now. Uh, yes, many of the pictures that go uh, outside Armenia, picturing the country, uh, show beautiful landscapes, mountains, forests, etc. But actually, uh, one of the biggest problems we face here uh, is uh, the mining, and especially mining metals like gold, like uh, molybdenum, copper, etc., uh, even back in the 50s and 60s, during the Soviet Union, uh, big parts of the southern and northern parts of Armenia uh, became uh, began to be mined. Um, and uh, this is actually having devastating effects uh, on the waters, on the land, and the health of the people. Uh, but these issues were not talked about much until about 10 years ago, uh, when again new projects uh, came up, uh, multinational corporations coming to Armenia and uh, wanting to open uh, new mines in places where pristine forests or really important water resources are. Um, and so two of us and uh, of course much, uh, much more um, other people are part of environmental groups who are uh, struggling to uh, keep the nature um, and stop clean, clean, mind. basically. Yeah. Uh, let me, uh, Brian brought this up to me, uh, ladies. Uh, he, he brought this up to me maybe about a couple weeks ago, which I always thought the Armenian waters were clean and all that. Not so. The Armenian water was like uh, in the top of, uh, What'd you say, Brian? They we were in the top one hundred or something like that. It was uh, it was something from the I believe the World Health Organization that basically said that uh, improvements could be made to the Armenian water system to make it cleaner and better for people, and stating that if you are traveling like outside of your country, uh, be you aware might, you might not want to drink the water in. And it was it wasn't just Armenia; it was a massive like swath of the of the planet. Yeah. Well, you know. That's exactly what you ladies were just talking about. So uh, 
talk to me some more. I mean, this is stuff that we don't hear that much about. Probably these kind of reviews come uh, uh, mainly addressed uh, are because of the pipes and you know infrastructural issues. Because uh, when you go to the places where uh, water sources come uh, come out, then you uh, get really uh, clean and wonderful water. But on the way uh, of this water to the cities and towns, mm-hmm. uh, it gets a little bit of uh, pollution <clears throat> because uh, all the infrastructure is quite old. But maybe we could also speak about one uh, particular movement we are involved in um, for already six years, but more intensively uh, since Perfect, the last perfect. Year. Yeah, I and really want to know about, about it. the water and mining. Right. Oh, okay. So what is your group? Uh, Apine is talking about Amursaj, uh, the mountain, which is uh, near to Jermuk uh, Spa City. You know about Jermuk mm-hmm. with uh, mineral waters, uh, and they are famous uh, in the world, I can say. And <clears throat> so uh, they want to start a gold mine near it. Uh, it's Amursaj Mountain, and um, if they, uh, if we would let them to do that, uh, we would have uh, lots of problems with uh, waters and other environmental issues. So it's been more than nine months that uh, local people uh, from Jermuk, from Gandevas, from Ketchut, uh, they just closed the ways uh, going uh, to the construction places. Nice. And, uh, they nice. stopped the construction and now they're protecting uh, the mountain and their city and the waters. Bravo. So, yes, this is a big movement and um, we've been in this uh, for, uh, from 2012 and uh, we've been fighting this project uh, during the previous government and uh, they wanted to open this. And now with this new government, we uh, hope that uh, they will not go uh, by uh, on. They will not follow uh, the The same. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Same steps, and they will uh, choose a pure environment, and they will choose uh, their citizens' rights, and not corporation and uh, money. So right, right. Uh, we are waiting uh, till the final decision will be made and um, the mountain will be saved. So we'll go to another uh, things. Right, right. Uh, l- let me interrupt you, ladies, for one second here. Brian, this Jermuk is, uh, uh, when I go to Armenia, the bottle, the plastic, uh, beautiful bottle of water is named after this so i mean it's it's kind of like uh that's that's all i drank in mineral water when i was uh in armenia so what the uh, what the girls are talking about here is something really sacred in the sense that uh if that is more or less uh not safe anymore there's really not much to it anymore uh, on the safe aspect uh we talked about this, and we're going to get back to that. How has this affected the animal structure, uh, uh, the, uh, the the wildlife uh, in Armenia? In that, uh, It's got to be doing some harm to that as well. Uh, they didn't start uh, exploitation yet, so uh, uh, they didn't uh, harm the nature that much. They only uh, did some construction things. Uh, so it's not uh, yet polluted. So right. we good, good. Um, probably also this water issue is something that is uh, global because uh, we are reading every day similar stories from Latin America, even in the United uh, yeah um, United uh, States. There was an article from the United States saying that hundreds of uh, dams from uh, which were mining sites back in 1800s. Um, are having now acid rock drainage and water uh, sources are getting damaged and the government is paying millions or even billions of dollars each year to clean them 
Um, and also the local populations are just not being able to use safe water to have access to clean water. Um, like the same thing which happened in the US back from 200 years ago and now scientists already know that it's really uh, not good to <laughs> play uh, to, to do you know games with nature if there is a, a risk of acid thick waters, acid rock drainage, you just shouldn't uh, try mining or doing stuff in that area. Uh, still, uh, because the uh, Armenia and countries like Armenia, other third world countries uh, do not have strong enough environmental laws um, and uh, some, but the population is not so ready to protect their areas, corporations are, um, you know, they have chances to just do whatever they want. We hope it's going to end soon. Okay, but now let me throw this at you. On the other side, there's going to be Armenians that are saying, well, you know what, we're finally working and uh, we're putting people to work and uh, we haven't had uh, employment uh, of so many people. Tell me wh what number of amount of people that are going to be doing this anyway uh, for for something that the country could say, well, we're putting people to work. Uh, this, uh, this thing is another myth, uh, myth uh, from uh, corporations that they um, create jobs for people because, for example, if we talk about Jermuk, there are lots of jobs there now and there are potential of making more and more jobs and uh, for, uh, for this mine, they will have, uh, for example, several hundred uh, jobs, and uh, including uh, foreigners. So, but after short time, they will go, and uh, other people who were living uh, with tourism, with sparsity, with agriculture, they will not have their jobs anymore. So, so yeah short time jobs and we destroy all this potential of uh, developing other uh, structures other um, right right economical things uh, so so it's a it's short gain it's a short yes. gain they, they will have a job for a year two years but in the long run that's going to be then taken out of there and there's nothing going to be left there and these people are just looking at it like a short-term type of job this is not a solution for employment because uh, this is going to be an uh, a job that's not going to last that long is what you're saying yes. and it's ruining and, armenia and we have the example of Tehut mine uh now, uh, if you know about it, uh, they promised uh, the same uh, sorry shit like uh, jobs uh, and money and all this blah blah blah. And uh, they said we'll create jobs for 70 years, but now the, uh, after three years, uh, uh, just uh, they closed it, stopped the project because uh, the tailing dam is going was going to uh, broke uh, yes they had cracks so they had to stop the project and uh, people were like they lost their gardens they lost everything and they just uh, now don't know what to do and they are now uh, on, uh, they are depending on this mine so right that's very, sad very sad in Armenia because uh, you know in big countries uh, in big countries when they open mines they have place for example they can open mine here and uh, people can live uh, far from this mine uh, right, for example right. but here people just live under the mines and under this tailing dam you right. know that in Brazil uh, maybe two months ago a tailing dam um, collapsed and uh, uh, 340 people died and uh, it ha it was a big uh, environmental uh, disaster. disaster yes and now we have the same situation in Tarut and um, uh, all of uh, our tailing dams is uh, uh, has been created uh, like this mine in, in Brazil 
So we are all uh, facing uh, this problem, and um, if we don't care, uh, maybe one day we will uh, have the same problem here. Right. So it's a big well, problem. It's a smart. It... Unfortunately, the government doesn't seem to realize that because they are uh, all the time the, uh, they are speaking about reopening the mine in Tehrut without addressing the problems that are existing there. And this is our new government. I know the old regime uh, we took out, uh, you know, set aside. But I, I thought this new government with. Uh, uh, Nick, I, I, Par, Parshinian, uh, I thought that uh, he's more environmentalist to where um, you even see him uh, cleaning up uh, uh, areas, uh, picking up trash and everything. I would think that this would be priority for this new government as well. Uh, Parshinian talks about it all the time and we think, yes, uh, he's somehow an environmentalist in his heart. But he doesn't have a good team around him, so uh, they give him bad advices. So and uh, he's not aware of all the problems. So uh, I I don't know. Yeah, and also there is a big uh, uh, pressure from corporations, probably uh, from mining corporations and generally from the big business, uh, which affects governmental policies. And uh, for example, uh, for uh, Amursar, also there was a pressure from U.S. embassy and um, other corporations too, as Arpina mentioned. Yes, so. the U.S. embassy ha was having several meetings. Uh, almost every meeting the ambassador had with the governmental representatives was touching the issue of uh, Amursar gold mine and uh, protecting Lydian because they have American investors. So it's not so easy for the government, we guess. Mm. Wow, 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 wow. Because, you know, this uh, America here, we have a place up in Michigan. Uh, it's called Flint, Flint, Michigan. And the people drink brown water and still it hasn't been taken care of. So, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, no one really uh, brings up this issue. Does the government have... A, a environmental uh, department that overlooks any of this or is it still like uh, basically word of mouth from uh, groups like you folks uh, there is a ministry of environment and there is also an inspection for environment and mining unfortunately we are not happy with the policies that are there we think they are quite weak there was a quite strong inspection, environmental inspection, for uh, the last six months. Um, but uh, the head of the inspection was fired about a month ago with, without proper explanations uh, at a time when uh, uh, one, uh, the, the biggest uh, mining project was being inspected. So, again, we suppose there is a big pressure from the corporations. Um, Right, and uh, we would hope for the government to um, jump in and help out to have better, yeah, stronger and more radical environmental policies, especially in this time of climate change. Um, the, uh, things are changing from year to year. Uh, water is becoming more scarce. Climate conditions are changing, and Armenia has very few forests. Uh, like the forest body is uh, less than ten percent, probably, or around 10 percent there are different wow. figures going around um, wow. well you know what uh, for me and for the western armenian that visits armenia we don't want to hear about mining we don't want to see it we don't want it there we we come to see the more organic world and uh, and that's our that's like our fatherland that's our motherland and we'd like to keep it the way it is and we don't need it as part of the rest of the world i mean that's that's the big props here brian that i i look at that we are not that factory that black smoke coming out of the uh, city and all that Th this is a this is a beautiful city and this is a beautiful nation it's small nation and like the lady just said if we have this mining here it's not like we can go somewhere else i mean these people are forced to live in that area 
So how many people are in your group right now? Tell us about your group. Let's get this group stronger. Uh, by the way, uh, just to let you know that uh, Lydian uh, uh, International, which uh, is the mining company for Amul Saad, has a lot of diasporan Armenian shareholders. And if there was not uh, so much investment from diaspora, this company would not uh, exist or invest in mining. Really? In so, uh, yeah, I guess um, uh, your words might be true for some of the diasporans, but definitely not for the business and. Um, I see. Yeah, not, so, not for everyone. And also, this um, there are a bit of exotified, uh, exotized, exot making Armenia an exotic picture of Armenia, which is uh, just not true. It's a place where people live uh, daily and struggle daily. Um, of yeah. course, visitors come uh, for a week or a few or a few weeks and want to see nice pictures, but it's more important to sustain life um, yeah. for every species that live here all, all the time. Yes, and unfortunately for many people from diaspora, Armenia is like a place to come to uh, just uh, give some money and go, and that's it, they uh, finished with uh, Armenia. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, you're right. Other people from diaspora, they uh, when they are doing investment in mining, they don't live here and they blame us that uh, you're uh, struggling against this project and you don't want Armenia to de develop and we told, tell them, okay, but you are not living here next to these uh, toxic places. So right. you're there, you only want to earn money and use Armenia, like you're using uh, our nature, our country, but you live uh, outside. For your pocketbook. Yeah. So... Uh, that's why uh, we need to change that attitude towards Armenia because uh, we are a country and we have uh, our people and we are not just uh, waiting for uh, some people to just give uh, us money or to just... Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. I know what you're know. saying. Bravo. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's not... And now I'm not speaking to you, ladies. I'm not speaking to you, Brian, but I'm, I'm talking to you folks out there. I think what the ladies are saying, too, is that, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's not what you're doing when you go to Armenia and uh, you drop a couple dollars here and there and then you leave. But you know what? That's not the solution. That's not the solution. Uh, oh, what we've got is, and I didn't, I didn't know that the West, the, the diaspora, is so much into this. I thought it was just the uh, governments from Europe or uh, businesses from Europe that are coming in. I didn't know that we were sponsoring uh, uh, all this as well. But, you know, so much I know. I, I just think that uh, if you're Armenian, you would want to keep Armenia pure, organic, uh, beautiful. And like you said, if we're less than 10% on the forestry, that's a big hit. That's a major hit. I mean, that beauty, you we're, we're losing it on a yearly basis then. Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. just to be fair, we can also add that there are people in the diaspora who are uh, sup uh, supporting and uh, being so, uh, in solidarity with, our, uh, with us. I'm uh, one of you. I am supporting you. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, How many? And, uh, there, uh, there is a group, Zoravik, um, Yes. Um, and they organized and, and found mm -hmm. uh, uh, fund. Yeah, they organized a fundraiser, for example, okay. in Boston, uh, um, to help the blockades in uh, Amulsar, and they were organizing events and petitions in Boston uh, to raise awareness of other diasporans um, and also to uh, make the, uh, just to raise the awareness generally in the. Uh, where they live about this problem in Armenia, and there are other people um, who uh, who were funding, for example, alternative environmental impact assessments for this Amulsa issue. Harut Pronozan uh, did a lot of work in that. So, like, there are there are different uh, different approaches and different people, and we hope those who are standing for the environment and uh, for human rights and for justice will be more and more. Okay, it seems to me though that uh, Pashinyan's uh, group, uh, this new government, they thrive on protests. Is there any, 
way that we could uh, make a big stand by having a nice uh, big protest in, in Armenia and just uh, having them know that, you know, there's people that do care about Armenian lands as well. It's not all about mining. Uh, do you mean you want to do protests, uh, uh, organize protests here in Armenia or outside in different other No, areas? I'm talking about in Armenia, right in front of their doorsteps, uh, their footsteps. Uh, I mean, you know, we got to make a we got to make a stand. And uh, this is the type of uh, yeah, every time you see it on the when we're watching Facebook or something, uh, they have little protest about little things about little this little that i think this is the one that's really needs a big protest where everyone gets with your groups and uh you know marches in the streets and say hey you know what we got to take care of armenia uh you know uh now the government uh they just started an investigation and uh, they paid uh money to a new uh, group uh experts uh, to analyze uh, all these um, uh, the environmental impact assessment uh, yes for uh, and the connection with waters so we are waiting for the results um, they said it will be until uh, the may. may yes so after the decision uh, We'll know uh, if we need a big protest action or not because... Um, oh, you're waiting for results. Yes, basically. we are waiting for results because... But in the meantime, the protests are going on because every day, 24-7, uh, at near Jermuk uh, and in this area, the local people are blockading the mining roads. God, God uh, bless them. Actually, the, uh, the roads, but yeah, the entrances to yes, the mine. Yes, there are three, uh, like we call them, posts. So people are sleeping there. They Bravo. are there all the time, and uh, it's more. Uh, they are there more than nine months, and uh, just uh, they need uh, our um, help and support there. For example, you can donate some money for them because they left their families and their jobs, and they're um, there for us. Uh, to uh, because if they didn't uh, close uh, the roads. Uh, they would uh, already um, have started this mining. Started, yes, this mining. So they're just uh, saving time for us. That's why uh, they just need everyone's support. We go there, we stand with them. For example, I was there almost uh, all the time and I left my son at home and I was going there and staying with them. And uh, I know how they're like pure and how they think about uh, the environment, how they, they want to protect their uh, lands. So uh, if you want to help them, you can just raise awareness about it. You can just donate for them. Um, or just if you're in Armenia, you can go there and uh, just say hello. We are here to say that we're supporting you or something like this. So well, they will be happy. Well, Arpina and Ani, uh, how do do you folks, do you guys have uh, some sites, some websites, some phone numbers, some Facebook sites that uh, people in Armenia and people from the West can uh donate or uh, be a part of I'm, i mean people that are just sitting and blocking and they've given up their careers they're they've given up their families they've given up their an, an entire lifestyle just to protect the armenian uh uh lands i i i think that 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 is the most beautiful thing you so, someone can do that's armenian I, so is there anything I know you just said donate, but uh, again, I'd like to make a little bit more by finding out who to donate to. And you know what? Maybe that uh, that guy sitting down there protesting, maybe sit next to him and uh, hold on to his arm and sit next to him and make him feel like he's not the only one in this world that's doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. Uh, we have a website, armecofront.net, uh, which people could check and there is lots of information also in english not everything is translated into english but uh, most of it let's put uh, that on our site there too brian let's put that on our site okay go ahead 
Then uh, on Facebook, uh, you can find us Armenian Environmental Front. There is a page. Uh, it has uh, both Armenian and English letters, so uh, it's a long name. Um, also, most of the posts are in Armenian, but um, one could also write us private messages with questions or uh, contact us by uh, email. The, uh, the contacts can be found on Facebook. And um, uh, how many strong are you in your, in your group? How many uh, uh, active members do you have? Uh, you mean uh, uh, Armenian Environmental Front? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are a tiny group, actually. The Armenian Environmental Front. Let's get them big. Let's get this group big. Yeah, but doing uh, there are several layers because uh, some people are the core of the organizing, and there are uh, then uh, more people, let's say dozens who do uh, direct action if there is need, and then um, maybe uh, dozens more or around a hundred to support less, uh, and then th several thousands of followers. But it will be really great to make it bigger, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes we are just maybe five uh, people, so we are doing all these uh, things, but when we need something, we just uh, open an event or we are just announcing about it and many people are coming for an, a particular event, for example. We are going to Amursar to support uh, uh, protectors and, um, for example, uh, lots of people are coming with us, uh, maybe 100 or 200 people. We are doing this event, many people are coming, joining, so yes. Yeah. As we are, uh, like we are not an NGO, and uh, we are just volunteers, so it's open well, and everyone can just join us. Well, you know what, uh, before you start a fire, you have to have a spark, and uh, uh, I commend, I uh, bravo to all the work that you guys are doing, and uh you're that spark, and uh, we need, and those people uh, that are sitting out there uh, in front of tractors, in front of trucks, in front of uh, big machinery, God bless them too. You know, because you know what? Without those people, life goes on as part of the whole entire world, and uh, we, we start uh, becoming not, not a not a organic country anymore. We become part of the world. We become part of the uh, problem and not the solution. So God bless everyone here. That's uh, doing everything they can. And uh, uh, me, me, myself, I, you know, I, I don't forget stuff like this and I'll be cheering you guys on and I'll uh, anything you need from us. Any, anytime you need uh, uh, the, uh, to bring something out, I will bring it up on the show as well. Thank you very much. It's really important that you are doing this program and sharing, spreading the word. Um, and uh, hopefully in the future, you can also follow on what's going on. And now we know each other, so <laughs> we can. Yeah, for sure. Message. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks a lot, ladies. And uh, keep up the great work. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And uh, folks out there, remember give us your sites again real quick so they can possibly be uh, friends on facebook and uh, all that good stuff too G can you give us the all the information again right now um, shall we uh in written form or uh, uh j just your just your web page on your uh okay, facebook okay, and all that perfect so uh, the facebook page is armenian environmental front uh, and the website is armecofront.net. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. God bless. Have a great night. Thank you. I know the time difference is big here, so thank you so much for working with us, and uh, we'll stay in touch. And Ani and Arpina, good job, ladies. Keep up the good work. Thank, thank you. you too. T take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
Wow, what a great! I mean, I I yeah. feel I feel like I should go there and lay down, chain myself up on that ground, and stand in front of that tractor yeah. or sit in front of that tractor. That that one percent of me is crying out to fly to Armenia to protest right now. I think it's important that uh, we do definitely get involved and uh, definitely have their sites and everything yes, that they absolutely. talked about. Have every, right. everything up on the website so uh, the listeners can go and help support or donate or do whatever it is that they feel they need to do to help protect the beauty of Armenia. Damn straight. I love it. And you know what? While you're sitting out there, we've got uh, we've got our own Anush with our wine segment coming up here. Yeah. And I think when you're kicking back uh, on that stone or whatever, just uh, relaxing, why not listen to Anush's uh, wine segment here? And maybe we could drink a little... Armenians, that's how they protest. They eat kebabs. They uh, they they drink a little bit and all that. My kind of protest. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And uh, Anush is next here with her own segment. Hello and welcome to another podcast on Armenia Proud, a toast to Armenia. This is the wine segment with Anush, where I get to share with you my love and passion for wine, along with wine news and interviews with amazing and inspiring people in wine industry. Today, I'm super excited because I'll be chatting with a fellow sommelier who currently resides in Canada and his name is Paren Jimbashian. Hi, Paren. It's afternoon over there. How are you? Hi, Anush. Very well. Thank you. I'm so happy to be on your show. Thank you so much for uh, making time and uh, coming on to share your uh experience and your passion for love um i was super excited to find you via um instagram yeah <laughs> it's my pleasure so um pardon you live in canada you are armenian yes. and my first question in any of the interviews is you know about uh, your history your family history where in armenia which part of um, um, armenia old new you are from anything like yeah. we want to hear yeah. your story basically every armenian's uh, story you know every armenian has a story and uh, that's what's exciting about us um me i was born in uh, lebanon beirut lebanon uh from an armenian in an armenian family mom and dad um whose families were forced out of their lands um as we know it and uh, they resided in Lebanon and as refugees. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I come from. And um, when did you move my, to Canada? Well, I, I made the big move uh, five or six years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my my grandfather, grandmother were from Maraj, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Western Armenia. Um, and yeah, that's it. Like <laughs> I, 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 I made the big move, you know, with my wife and, uh, back then one kid. Now I have two and, uh, we moved to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I'm glad you are in Canada, but I wish you were in the United States. <laughs> I mean, from the standpoint of like meeting each other in person, but still we can, um, you know. Yeah, from that, from that point, yes, but a lot of Americans wish they were here in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This program is not about that, but it's about that. <laughs> so, so now that we know where you are from, uh, what do and and I know what you do now. I want to. Yeah. You're you're a sommelier. Before we get deep into that discussion, I want to know: Did you always want to be in the wine industry, being a sommelier, or did you do something before that? And what if you did? What made you, uh, like, in, what inspired you to uh, go into this industry? And I know yeah. there's too many questions at once. Yeah, yeah, no problem. That's that's really interesting question because um, when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by food, and I would watch my mom, my grandmother cook, and wh whenever I had a plate in front of me, the first thing I did was to smell the food. So I was fascinated by the smells, and I would tell, I would, I would go in my head and say, "Oh, there's onion in this. There's this kind of spice. There's this and that. I don't like this, so I'm not gonna eat it." Mm -hmm. And I would always sniff the food. 
Mm-hmm. And I loved food. And our neighbors used to say, oh, your son, to my mom, your son's going to be a chef one day. You know, they saw it in me and I loved it. But circumstances, you know, um, being an Armenian family, you have to go to school, then uh, you have to graduate school, then go to university, have a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's every parent's plan is for their kids. So I've never went into that business until when I was 21. So uh, I was always an artist. I, 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 I was a pianist and I was a guitarist. I was playing in a band. Uh, we used to play in bars. And then when I was 21, 22, we decided with, the, with, with four friends to buy a bar. Mm-hmm. And why not buy a bar, then run the bar and play in our bar? So that's I love yeah. it. <laughs> that is so that is so cool. And this is in Lebanon. This was in Lebanon. Yeah. This was pre two thousand six war. So we we got the place in two thousand five, and I was so excited because I I always wanted to do something in the business in in the food food and beverage industry, and. And the first thing I did, four of us, I picked the bar. So I'm going to be in charge of the bar, mm-hmm. the bar and food. The food, yeah, the, the drinks yeah. and the food. Uh-huh. So that was my first uh, real-life experience, and I loved it. I loved it. I used to go there 4 o'clock afternoon after university, then stay up until 4 a.m., then go back to university 6, 7 a.m. in the morning. Uh, it was crazy, you know, and I was 21, 22. Full of energy. Um, but then, you know, the unfortunate war of 2006, um, we stayed open a little bit, then eh, there was no chance. So we closed, and that was it. Until, until I moved back, uh, not back, I moved to Canada. And mm-hmm. that's where I said, you know, I want to get back into this business. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, th- that is so amazing. Um, so your family and the neighbors, like you said, could see that you were going to go with this career because your interest was so strong. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so when you moved to Canada, um, did you decide right away that you're going to continue and go into a... And did you go to a school for, to become a sommelier or did you um, take just the courses? Yeah, online? that... That, that particular thing took me two years to figure out because, you know, a new immigrant, new, new country, new city, um, you don't know how everything runs here. You know, I knew back there, but still I was 21, 22, and there and here, it's, it's totally different. And um, I said, you know, I need, I, need, I need the experience first to get into the real business. So it took me two years until, you know, I'm, I'm fully established. Um, and then all of a sudden I said, you know, it's time because um, my wife's family is here and they're in the business. They're in the coffee and restaurant and wine business. Mm-hmm. And they pushed me a lot because, first of all, I said, you know, I want to be a chef. That mm-hmm. was my goal. That's what I wanted since I was a kid. So... I thought about it. I went, I saw the schools and everything, and I said, you know, it's not going to work for me because uh, I came here with a kid and mm-hmm. I had another one. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm a big family guy. I want to be around my kids. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a big no for me. Um, for now. But maybe. I said, you know, for now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then the second amazing thing was like, I got hooked to wine. Like, mm-hmm. I loved wine. So I said, you know what? That's it. That's my ticket. Mm-hmm. So uh, I looked up the schools and everything. And uh, yeah, that's it. So um, <clears throat> now I'd like for you to elaborate um, what Somalia is and what does it entail? I get that question asked a, a lot. And, um, you know, everyone has a different perspective, different experience. So uh why don't you share with us what what does it mean to be a sommelier and what does it entail yeah um being a sommelier has different different branches uh i can say you know there's the sommelier that we know it um is the person who does 
the wine service in a restaurant and only wine, not food. So what a sommelier does is pure sales, actually. Comes, comes up to the client, knows what they're having, and tries to sell the best wine that goes with the food. And uh, that's what a sommelier does and does all the service uh, that concerns uh, wine. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, a sommelier can do many, many things. Can be in media, can write, um, or just like you do, interviews, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, also in sales. Um, they, can, they can work in wineries, do, uh, do tours, and everything. Like, it's, it's really big. It's gotten big. So um, my, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to add to, to what you're saying. My, uh, my understanding of a sommelier is a person who is knowledgeable in all the aspects of the wine, including service, but not limited to, and is there to help you no matter where you are. And it's of not course. the person that is, you know, you have to be intimidated by, or when you go to a restaurant, you kind of shy away from him or her but absolutely on the in contrary you know you ask them for the help and they're supposed to be your friend there helping you absolutely what to choose absolutely i agree and i i keep on telling everybody my friends my you know my family ask me questions you know ask me if you want to go buy wine and you don't know what to buy just call me text me or whatever i'm i'm here to help you you know I, i love doing this and I enjoy it, you know, when I help somebody and they text me back, oh, we had this, this, and we had this wine you recommended, and it was amazing. That gives me real pleasure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I I tell everybody, you know, and uh, like you said, uh, first of all, you should be knowledgeable, and that's that was the most difficult part of being a sommelier. There's so much to cover, so much information (laughs) out there, and you keep on learning every day and every day, and if you don't practice it, you're going to forget it. So how long did it take you to go through the certification? Um, so, yeah, th- there's, there was like here in Canada, there's uh, three, three different types of certification you can do. One of them is the WSET, mm-hmm. uh, which was the easiest one. And then there's another one that you go to France and you spend the whole year there. You learn everything. You work in a restaurant. You do the actual sommelier work. And... There in France, a sommelier works only with wine, mm-hmm. nothing else. Doesn't doesn't go into the service of food, um, and that was that was really what I was looking for. But uh, the reality here in North America is totally different. In restaurants, you know, you have to do the food and the wine and everything. Um, most of the restaurants, I don't want to generalized but mm-hmm. yeah there was the second choice and the third choice was um a local school doing a professional sommelier uh program which takes about six to seven months depending on the student how fast they learn um yeah that's what i did um there's also 40 hours of service uh graded and uh, different different activities, you know. Um, so you had to do a theory for six to seven months with tasting, like right to learn about day. each country, about each region within each country, each little subregion, and then taste the wines accordingly. And then you also had to do a service, which means you had to go to a restaurant and work the floor. Yeah, worked the floor, and uh, what I did is I worked at the restaurant of the school. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was interesting is we had waiters. Also, the school had different um, uh, different programs, so uh, they had waiters, chefs, and extra extra. So what I did is I did the pure sommelier work there, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed because you go you go up to the client and see what they're having and try to you know sell something they like. <laughs> That's gonna go also with the food. It's 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 not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> so was it the first experience? Was it super nerve wracking when you went up and you said, you know, hello, I'm your sommelier for the day, and how can <laughs> I help you? <laughs> it was it was nerve wracking just because you know 
my first language is Armenian, then second language. I went to an Armenian school, but our second language was French. But in Lebanon, we never practiced French. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the only barrier was the language barrier. And that was, that, that's why I was nervous a little bit. But, but I got the hang of it. So you had to do it in French. So you are in the part yeah. of Canada that speaks French, not English. Exactly. Oh, but your English is so good. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, um, that, that is amazing. That is the um, so exciting. I love food. I love wine. And I was talking the other day to a friend and uh, I said, you know, I talk about food all the time. It's not because yeah. I'm hungry, but because it's a big part of the wine. Wine and food go hand in hand together. Absolutely. Anyone who loves wine loves food and anyone who appreciates food appreciates wine so it's uh, it's so intertwined and i think sommelier is such an exciting job uh, in the restaurant or outside of the restaurant i think both it's like uh, I, I i think like if you are in a restaurant and if you go to a table and there's few people and they ask for recommendation and you help them find the wine and then they get the full enjoyment and they're so excited because when you have the right wine with the right food, I think the expression on your face shows everything, <laughs> right? Right? It's like yeah, the ultimate yeah. pleasure. I mean, that's the most exciting part of it, just to see the client or the friend or the, you know, anybody who you suggested this one with this food and that they enjoy it and they say, Oh, you know what? You were right. You yeah. know, we, we used to think this one was, uh, you know, was like blah, but mm -hmm. when you put it with the food, yeah. it just like boom, yeah. you know? That is amazing. Well, I'm yeah. so excited to uh, meet another fellow sommelier. There is, uh, I, I spoke to uh, Christine a year, two, two years ago now. She was one of my first um, interviews that I've done. She's uh, local here in Los Angeles, but... I um which which kind of like brings me to the next um uh, question or the next yeah. part of our conversation. So how do you um you know Armenia is going through a now we're switching gears from a sommelier uh, subject to Armenia and the uh, Armenian wine. Because of all these recent developments there is so much interest in wine uh, from in Armenia and from Armenians who don't live um, mm -hmm. in Armenia. Uh, but there is not too many yet uh, wine professionals. So what yeah. do you think and how do you think you can, um, you know, help, influence, guide? How, what, what do you see yourself doing as part of that? Yeah, so... Um... For me, uh, let me start by saying that uh, when I started working in a restaurant, I worked for a really short period of time because I had a snowboarding injury and it was impossible for me to uh, stand up for, a, for eight hours straight and mm -hmm. not sit down. And, and that's when I said, you know, I can't do this. I love it, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And um, I tried to figure out d different ways to stay in the business or even just stay in, in in the mood you know and that's when i opened my uh instagram page uh, where we met <laughs> yeah and uh, i'm i'm very active there i i i create content almost every day i try to create every day but uh, i have a lot of content there i try to put my knowledge out there so where i'm going with this is what i see is you're right it, it, the wine the wine industry is booming, booming, booming in Armenia. And what I would like to see or do or help is go to the, to the restaurants and, you know, train people to, to, you know, train them to know how to talk about wine, how to sell the wine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's part of uh, what I'm doing now. I'm traveling to Armenia in end of June. Mm -hmm. um, I've been there multiple times but back then wine was not a big thing it was uh, i don't know what i remember from what i tasted <laughs> it was <laughs> not much to remember no sorry, no no I no mean... <laughs> no but it's absolutely fascinating now what they're doing there it's it's i'm i'm so excited to go actually i want to go and discover and see what i can do there you know 
and um, whatever I can do, whatever I can help, mm-hmm. like you know, I'm, I'm, I have, I have future plans for Armenia for sure. That's amazing. I mean, looking at your Instagram, and uh, uh, you said you know you were uh, in arts, and uh, so I can totally see that uh, trans. <laughs> transforming from uh, you know from your pictures because they are so artistic they are very <laughs> colorful they're they're beautiful i mean your content is amazing i love uh your food and the drinks and the pairings and the wine and everything um it's 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 really i mean you you can you can do consulting you can be a a, a consultant yeah so there you go. That's 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 yeah, that would be yeah. the best way to contribute. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah. For for now, I'm doing a lot of content creation, and I'm learning every day, every day, and I'm I I, I really love doing it. Um, there's nothing much going on from the business uh, side of it, but I keep on doing it. I don't you know I don't give up. I I do it because I love it, and I want to put everything I have out there, you know, I, sometimes I get one person that I don't know, reach out and say, you know, thank you. This was amazing. I loved it. I mm-hmm. tried it. Or it gives me so much pleasure, you know, just that one person that reaches out and that's why I do it. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's wonderful. It's, uh, um, you, like, like I said, your content is amazing. It's uh, very inspiring. It's very appetizing. You know, when you look at looking looking at the pictures. Uh, also, I like your sabering videos. This is something oh, yeah. that I haven't done. And why don't you tell? Oh no! Uh, no, I have not. I haven't had uh, a chance to do it. So why oh. don't you tell what a sabering is? Um, well, sabering comes from an old. Uh, you know, from the days of Napoleon, when they used to say, uh, when when they sabered the champagne with the with the sword. Okay, so it's basically it the, the sabers. Opening the champagne with a sword—that's called sabering. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's 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 the original sabering. But what I do is I go creative with it. I try different things, you know, uh, dif- different tools to just pop that bottle, and I got I got hooked to it. I got uh, really addicted to it. Nowadays, I don't open a bottle like a normal person. I always want to, you know, I want to savor it. Why don't you walk us through the um, typical savoring procedure? Like, what happens? You take a bottle of champagne in case somebody yeah. wants to, like, for their, the, someone is listening and for their special event, they want to do something super fun yeah. and they want to savor a bottle of champagne. How do they do yeah. that? So it, it's, not, it's not really complicated, but you and your luck, let me see. Mm-hmm. I, I've done... On my Instagram page, uh, which is called, by the way, Cork with Fork, if anybody wants to uh, go there and discover whatever I do. Uh, What I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about savoring, the different methods that you do. But but no, tell tell us the original method first, and then we'll go through your... You can just pick 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 a knife, you know. Just a normal uh, kitchen knife, a chef's knife, probably. And um, what I do is I keep I keep the bottle very very cold. So I put it in the freezer for about five to ten minutes, so it gets really really cold. And as you know, it in 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 a champagne or sparkling wine bottle, there's pressure from the CO two. And um, with the outside. Uh, air and the cold bottle and the pressure and everything when you slide the knife right on the rim it's gonna pop it's gonna break it right on the rim and it's gonna fly so be careful when you do it you don't want (laughs) to aim it you don't want to aim it to somebody Uh it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt so yeah you and your luck i've done on my page i've done about 15 16 of them i had only one failed savoring which the bottle just like blew up mm-hmm. in my hands. Um, mm, but dangerous. other than that, usually if you follow the steps, you know, just cool it, really, really cool it. Put it in the freezer for five to ten minutes, and then, uh, oh yeah, you should remove the foil from the bottle, of course. Uh-huh. So, uh, so they should listen to um, 
uh, your guidelines, but they also can maybe YouTube it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty but, of videos out there. But tell me about the very last savoring that you did with a ski. <laughs> with the ice skates. With the ice skates? <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Uh, that was yeah, hilarious. We, we just, yeah, me and my son, we had a, a ice skating run, uh, and then we came home. I was like, I need a drink, and uh, my <laughs> wife was preparing food, so I went outside. You know, I said, I'm gonna use my skates today <laughs> <laughs> to savor the champagne. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've used a lot of things. I used snowboards uh, twice. Um, Hold on, axe. snowboards, but snowboards are not sharp. They but are. it still works. It, oh, it, has, it has a sharp edge. Oh. It has, it has a sharp edge. And uh, <laughs> one funny thing was opening, uh, savoring a bottle of kava with a bottle of moe. So oh. I savored the moe first, and I used the, the moe bottle to savor another one. So, so is that, that, is that, is that, that, that all on your Instagram? Yeah, it's all there. It's all okay. there. Yeah, we'll, 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 we need to make sure we check it out, all your savoring yeah, yeah. adventures. Even though, even though there's plenty of videos out there on YouTube, but I'm going to make one. I'm going to make a like, really funny one soon. Yeah, and, you should uh, compile put it out there. all of them. Yeah. Um, well, pardon, I mean, it, this is so exciting. I can talk to you um, forever about uh, um, all the uh, details and all the, um, in a way, nerdiness of the sommelier, but... <laughs> <laughs> like uh, is is there like what is what is your like ultimate goal within the next um five years that you want to do do you yeah um, go ahead yeah um sorry about that um yeah it my future plans you know it's it's definitely going to involve something around uh the industry food and beverage industry uh, now I'm, I'm also a 3D designer and I, 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 I develop products and stuff like that. And I'm trying to make products for the industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have future plans for that. Uh, that's one. Second one, now when I come back from Armenia, I'm going to decide to do something there mm -hmm. or here and there, you know, uh, going back and forth. But definitely, definitely, Armenia is in my bucket list. I'm, I'm gonna do something. I don't know what, mm -hmm. but uh, that's that's that that's why I reached out to you. Uh, actually, when I found out about you from Karin Wine, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I I wanted to gather more information about Armenia, the industry, what's going on, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really really excited. I'm looking forward um, to discover what's going on there and uh hopefully open up something you know soon uh i have a lot of plans i have a lot of plans but i have to you know decide one two three what i want to do first second third yeah but uh yeah definitely in the industry for sure once once you're there i'm sure you will figure out because there's so many opportunities there that um it's like if everything is fresh it's new developing it's new growing so with your um with your enthusiasm and your ideas and your passion i'm sure you are going to come up with something really super creative yeah I, I absolutely i absolutely agree i mean uh i don't want to say anything right now because i i didn't go yet but yeah i'm sure when i come back we're gonna have a lot to talk about <laughs> that sounds good i'll be I'll, I'll be waiting impatiently for your um <laughs> instagram posts while you are there for your amazing Thank you. content <laughs> there for sure for sure and um wishing you lots of success um, Thank you. Appreciate patience, it. you know, when I, I have two kids and I know what it means to um, yes. to be able to step back for a moment and put the wine to the side while, you know, concentrating on the family. It's very important. Absolutely. So uh, balancing that is a major art. So <laughs> I wish you yeah. good luck in that as well. Thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> you as well, you know, with the with the Guinea Fest, uh, I know it's the second year and, uh, you know, whatever I can do from here or help or for the future uh you know guinea fest next year i'm i'm all yours uh, absolutely share share the um uh information guinea fest is uh for for those who are uh 
who don't know, Guinefest is the Armenian Wine and uh, Spirits Festival, that this is the second year going to happen. Mainly wineries, spirits um, coming from Armenia, but also we have some producers um, that are of Armenian heritage who do not live in Armenia. They live in, um, we're going to have uh, Karim Wines, which is in Lodi, California, and we're going to have Luso de la Terra, which is a winery from Paso Robles, Edward Cholakian and his family. So it's all about Armenia, Armenian, and uh, about having a good time. So whoever is listening, come on out to the Guinea Fest. We have only 150 tickets left, so uh, two months to go. I'm sorry you won't be there, but yeah, you know, said you're sending in your cousin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I wish, though. I wish I was there, though. Uh, next but year. next year. Next year, for sure. For sure. Next year. This is an annual yeah. thing. It's going to happen. We're here to uh, promote, support uh, Armenian wines, wine industry, uh, help each other. You know, that's how we um, will succeed. Exactly. I, I love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of my, you know, my people whatever everybody's doing i've listened to your podcasts uh karin wine uh greg greg was it right yes greg uh-huh greg he's super cool guy you know he's doing he, he's like working 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 hard and i can see that just from the interview and yeah. i'm excited to try his wines also i um I listened to the Zulal uh, episode. That was super interesting. Amy, Amy is those... going to be here yeah. with her wines oh, at the Guinea oh. Fest. Ah, <laughs> but uh, they're doing a lot for 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 the industry in Armenia, uh, from what I heard. You know, and, yes. uh, I'm super excited, super excited, and I'm so proud. You know, um, that that's wonderful. Well, this is the podcast that's called Armenia Proud. So we are yeah. all here <laughs> supporting each other and proud of each other. <laughs> Thank you so exactly. much for the conversation. I wish you lots of success. I can't wait to talk to you when you come back from Armenia with your bigger and grander plans for the future. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All I appreciate right. it. Thank you. All the best. All the best to you. And that was our uh, big wine segment here. And that was with uh, Paren Jimbashian. Yeah. And uh, Anush did a fabulous job once again. Yeah. I, I, I've always loved the uh, the everything that goes into being a uh, sommelier which you know as we know is a wine expert and uh i mean that's that is some high level stuff i mean you can't just claim to be a sommelier like you actually have to go and like and she'll find them yeah exactly and she found them and and i that was a fascinating uh uh segment for manush and you know what's really cool about it is we covered one angle of armenia that's very important what's happening yeah and then we mellowed it out by the swine segment by Anush. So another great segment here, yep. another great episode of Armenia Proud. Thanks again, folks, for being a part of it. Go to our site at armeniaproud.com. Check out all the uh, last shows that we've had on there. And uh, just uh, hit, hit a big like on Facebook, too. Doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt one bit. And thank you so much for being loyal listener. Thank you so much again, Brian, for doing the show with me. And Genatsit uh, Kishir Party. We'll see you next week, my friends. Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.